Wonderful. Look, what a, a great time, a great day to uh, draw together and to wait on the Holy Spirit. Again, thank you for your, your prayers. And we're going to have a time of prayer for everyone who wants to be anointed and prayed for. We like to do this every year to recognise the fact that God is good. We, we know that all the time, but that he blesses. He wants to bless us. And I think understanding what blessing actually is, is the key to receiving it and walking in it. Because often we can find ourselves in uh, pleasant circumstances, or we can find ourselves in adverse circumstances, and in our natural flesh, we can think God's either in this place or he's not based on the circumstances alone. But the Bible actually says that we are blessed all the time. And Blessing comes actually through a relationship. It's not something that just happens to you mystically. It's not just something that comes over you and you kind of get your blessing and then you go off and you do your thing. Blessing is part of a relationship. And I want to unpack for us this morning actually Psalm 23 because I think this best encapsulates the relationship and the link to blessing and God's purpose in our lives. You know, the word bless in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, the root word there means to kneel, which is interesting. We think about blessing as something that's going to kind of, it's all about me, it's all about kind of bettering me, but actually to kneel means to humble. So to bless, actually, the, the root word there means that there's a humility that comes into blessing where we humble ourselves before God. Also in the New Testament, the Greek word to kneel, I mean to, to bless, means to speak well of. So we get this idea of blessing, speaking well of even our enemies. There's a blessing linked to all of life, our words, our posture, humility. It all comes together. But to bless means to bring about success in all that is good and to give mastery over life by averting what is harmful. Now, even though we may go through difficult circumstances or challenging circumstances, God promises to protect us and to keep us and to bring us into his perfect will for our lives. And it's in this sense that we experience the blessing of God. I want to have a blessed life in the full sense of what the Bible says means to be blessed, not just maybe a materialistic view of blessing. I think of Jacob, actually, in the Old Testament, in uh, Genesis 48, 15. And um, he says this. He says, God, who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day. Now, I don't know if you know fully the story of Jacob, but he was quite a colourful character. And uh, God was faithful to him and loved him and blessed him he kind of swindled his brother, Esau, out of a birthright. Now, we heard a couple of weeks ago that uh, on the passage of faith and Hebrews uh, 12 as well, that actually Esau squandered uh, his, his birthright and his blessing. But um, Jacob also played a role in that. And we know that Jacob wrestled with God. Um, he came out with a bit of a limp. Um, he had a colourful life. His um, interactions with, with Laban you know, his uncle. You know, here we see him being not just shrewd, but probably a bit crafty, and yet God travels with him. 
It's not always dependent on how good we are, although that's a positive thing to strive for right relationship, but God is faithful to us and wants to bless us even if we don't always get it right. And Jacob, at the end of his life, as he's leaning on his staff in worship, blesses his family accordingly, and he says, this is the God who has been my shepherd all of my days. So I don't want you to feel today like you've got to have it all together or I need to have it all together because we don't. Blessing is not contingent on how good or not good you are. It's actually contingent upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is why it's important to understand blessing because we can come in with a sense of condemnation or accusation that's floating around and you just need to get rid of that. You can just speak that off and just say, no, I'm a child of God. I have faith in Jesus and Lord, you're gonna bless me. And I pray that I would change. I pray that my character would improve but I thank you, God, that your grace is towards me and expressed through blessing. So remember Jacob. Another person who understood blessing was King David. And uh, if we look at the salvation uh, history arch, you know, from Genesis through to Revelation, David plays a key role. And he's the, he's the fore, foretaste of Christ in terms of a, a divine king. But David here speaks about a relationship with God that we can all uh, understand and that we can all benefit from. And it's in this sense that I want us to understand today, before we pray, the key to relationship, walking with God throughout your whole life, not just coming on a Sunday, not just kind of going to God when you've got a need or I've got a desperate situation, but all of the time God wants to be your friend he wants to be your shepherd. In fact, throughout the East, when this uh, passage was written, uh, whether it was in um, you know, uh, Samaria or whether it was in the North with the Hittites or in the South in Egypt, this type of psalm was understood that God would be a benevolent shepherd. He would be benevolent. He would love his people. He would, a good God is one that actually cared for his sheep. And so this imagery of uh, sheep and a shepherd is so key for us to understand because we, like sheep, it says in Isaiah, have gone astray. Sheep are not actually all that loyal at times. They're not all that smart. And I'm sorry if you kind of had a high esteem of yourself, but at times we really are like sheep and um, he is like a good shepherd. And so um, just kind of it's good to get, a, I suppose, a good understanding or a good assessment to understand ourselves, I suppose, how we really are at times and not just in our imagination. And so I'm thankful that God is my shepherd. He has rescued me on so many occasions. But let's have a look at um, Psalm 23, 1 through to 6, and I'm just going to make a few comments as we go. David says here, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. There's so much in just in this first verse. You know, Jesus, it says in Hebrews 13, 20 and 1 Peter 5, 4, is the great shepherd. I have a role to shepherd God's people, you. I have a relationship. We, we kind of gather regularly. And in the back of my mind, as Sue so aptly put it this morning, um, there's a lot that goes on during the week 
that comes up to a Sunday. And Sunday is not the be-all and end-all, but there's a shepherding that goes on. There's prayer, there's um, pastoral care, there's um, financial issues, there's advice that needs to be given, there's crises that need to be taken care of. The shepherd would do all of this for the sheep. They'd get broken hooves, they'd get caught in thickets. You know, there's even a, a fly that lays eggs in the ear of the sheep that can send it mad. And so they'd have to anoint it with oil to get the, the flies out. I should almost share that story on holidays. Grace, <laughs> I won't share it fully, but basically I had a, a very tiny fly when I was on holidays recently fly into my ear. And, you know, when it's in there, it was the smallest thing, but it sounded like a, a thunderstorm and it was painful. And my daughter, Grace, had to pour oil into my ear three times to flush the thing out. So it really does work. <laughs> um, so the Lord is my shepherd. You know, we need to be willing to be led. We need to be willing to be led by our shepherd because there are things that we think are good for us. There are things that we desperately want in this life. We think, oh, God, I want a wife or a husband or, Lord, I, I want this career or I want to kind of focus on this five-year plan. You know, and we, we so desperately want things, but actually God, Jesus being the chief shepherd, has a plan for your life and he wants to bless you. He actually wants to bring you into the best experience of this life because, you know, this life is preparation for eternity. The things that I, I'm convinced that the things that we encounter and learn, both the good and the adverse, prepare us. And we need to pay attention. And so I need a shepherd, otherwise I'm going to end up going off a ravine. And in fact, I remember once we were travelling, I've shared this story with you before, but we were travelling out between Goulburn and the back of the Blue Mountains, and it was during the GFC. And... We had a unit in Sydney that we'd worked really hard. God had set us free from um, a history of uh, financial difficulties in our family lines. And so God had broken that off. And we'd got this unit and we were so happy. And then the GFC hit. Who would have thought that that would kind of happen? I didn't see it coming. Anyway, we had $100,000 equity and it got whittled down and... We had to, we're at the back of the Blue Mountains and I'm driving on this weird fire trail. I thought, don't trust GPSs, all right? You probably knew that already, but I saw this great shortcut between the, halfway between Goulburn, head, coming out near Kiama somewhere, and it was a fire trail. So I'm heading along with this trailer attached to a Mitsubishi Magna Sports, which is lowered, <laughs> with a trailer full, three, two young children in the back and a wife who's having a panic attack. And I'm about to go down a fire trail that was literally about, I don't know what, a 45 degree angle heading down. And all of a sudden, um, the Lord said, if you go down there, the Holy Spirit said, if you go down there, you're not coming back up. And so I said, okay. So I had to stop the fire trails about this wide so I had to literally do like a 100-point turn. If you've ever seen Austin Powers and he's in that little car going back, that was me. And so, you know, and then coming back, we were reflecting after we kind of composed ourselves. Amazingly, the children slept through the whole thing. And um, 
we came back and the Lord said, if you don't break your contract with the bank, that's what's going to happen financially. You're going to lose it. And so we broke. Our dream appeared smashed. We thought we had an asset. Um, we took the $20,000 that we had remaining, which wasn't a lot. We were planning a family home. We'd come down here to plant a church. God had provided, but this had happened. And I could have thought, oh, God, where are you? But no, I had to trust. Trust God that you're in this. And we took that $20,000 and we invested it for 12 months and just started saving $50. And then the bank came to me 12 months later and said, do you want a loan for a home? It was just like out of the blue, unexpected. I've never had it happen before. And they approached me. And so what turned out, and we ended up being in our home now, it's, it's worked out, but God is able to work together what appears to be tragic and adverse situations and he can bring them together for good because he wants to bless you. But he also wants to teach you how to trust him. Now, I could have gone, this situation's turned pear shape, you know, um, and, and kind of allowed my faith, in a sense, to diminish in that regard. But if we lean into these things and say, Lord, where are you? I loved Inga's message last week about finding God in new places. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, listen to it. I think it's very prophetic of this season. I think we are heading into new territory. And it's going to be good. But we need to discover our foundations, re-establish them and go, God, where are you in this place and not be put off? So the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. We need to be led by God, not just through the good, but through the adverse. And it takes time for us, I think, to get onto God's understanding of what is good for us. Sometimes we can, we have, as I said, our list of things, but God's saying, no, trust me, go in this direction. You might think intuitively, no, go in this direction, but he's saying, no, come in this direction, trust me. And we need to allow our ear to be tuned in. What is it that God has for us? What are the things that he says we need versus what we think we need? Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Jesus talks about this. He says, so don't worry about these things, the issues of life. What we... Uh, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That just means in right relationship. And he will give you everything you need. So he's our shepherd. He's got it covered. He's got it covered. Number two, um, Verse 2, he lets me rest in green meadows, in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. So again, our shepherd, our God, wants to lead us into rest and into peace. He wants to lead. Now, sometimes the path to get there can be stressful, but the destination actually is going to be one of rest and peace and a harvest of right living. God provides all that we need. We need to surrender, though, to his way, his will, and his way. Um, I was reading when I was preparing for this about the difference between sheep and goats, and a little, different, a little kind of thing, I thought I'll quote it. Um, it says, in contrast to goats, 
which are quite independent, sheep depend upon the shepherd to find pasture and water for them. Shepherds also provide shelter, medication and aid in birthing. In some, sheep were virtually helpless without a shepherd. And that's a bit like us. As I said earlier, it's a bit like us. The lesson to this, though, is don't be a goat. <laughs> don't be a goat. Because goats are worse. <laughs> sheep might not have it all together, but goats are arrogant. They're kind of independent, stiff-necked. They end, out on a, end up on a rocky crag and, you know, they're not, it doesn't go well for goats in Scripture, put it that way. <laughs> but he wants to lead us into green meadows, rest and peace. Verse 3, he renews my strength, he guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Like you, I have testimony, I have a story of what God has done in my life. And he's renewed me, he renews my strength, and he guides me along right paths. Again, it's not always, I don't always know how it's going to turn out. But that's the nature of living in the moment and living free. We want freedom, but it means we've got to trust him. If you want to be free from worry, if you want to be free from stress, the cost is trust and surrender. And it's something we can learn. It's not something, and it's something I believe we learn over a lifetime. Verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So life's not without its challenges, disappointments and griefs. But God promises to be with us and to comfort us and protect us. That's the key. We can go through the darkest valleys, it says. And I tell you what, that's, that's easy to say, but when you live it, and I know many of you have lived it, you've lost, you've lost loved ones, there's been health challenges, there's issues that may be medical or mental health that some people carry. This is real. This is lived. But I've found that being in step with Jesus, being in step with the great shepherd, there is a level of uh, breakthrough. I want to tell you a story just very quickly. Absolutely amazing. Last night, my son and I are praying. And, you know, you get these things at the most unexpected times. This is our great shepherd. It's about midnight, he should have been asleep and I should have been asleep, but yeah, our ADHD brains are going off and we're hanging out and mucking around and it's like a party, Tara's out and um, gets back close to that time and I'd had a bit of a sore back and I've got a bit of a twist, I had one in my lower spine and it's given me grief. Anyway, I'm still pinching myself, I shouldn't be, but I said... I said, oh, Caleb, why don't you pray for me? And he goes, oh, God, please heal Dad. Please heal him, I pray. And I said, okay, let's stop there. I said, that's not how you pray. I said, that's great, good heart, but this is how you pray. I said, you're a child of God. You've got authority. You've been born again. You, you carry it, so you need to change the way you pray. When you pray, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I'm a child of God and you've given me authority. In Jesus' name, I command this to go. Anyway, my son, you, you know him, he's got a beautiful heart, very sincere. Anyway, he prays this prayer and Tara comes home within like 10 seconds, comes in the door 
And I said, love, feel this thing on my back. And she goes to feel and it's gone. It's completely gone. Now, I'm telling you, it went out like that and it was, it's gone. I've got no pain. Complete, and I'm, I'm here telling you and I'm still in a little bit of shock. But now, I've prayed over that thing before and believed, seen chiropractors for many years. This, now, I can't pick why God decided, well, I can. He wants to teach my son something about prayer. And so this, this is truly amazing. So I just wanted to say that, you know, if I had to wait 20 years to get that healing so that my son could learn something, then I'm happy. I'm not going to go, well, God, why did you wait this long? I'm just saying thank you. Amazing. Healing. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. So God, God is honoured in this. It's God who has done this. And if there are points in our lives where we might struggle or even suffer at times, for God to come through and teach us something in the right moment, let's be sheep that are leadable, teachable, and not stiff-necked. Don't be a goat. And so, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid, for you're close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. God brings comfort, ultimately, and protection. And... uh, has the means and the authority by which to bring that about in your life. God does not abandon his children. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. So God's our provider. He's our provider, even in the most adverse circumstances. Remember the railway tracks of life. There can be blessings, and even at the same time concurrently, there can be trials. And sometimes they come together. I used to think of it as a wheel and possibly still do at times, but I've more recently come to understand that I can be in the most difficult situation and yet God is right beside me and providing in the same moment and giving me the grace to hold that tension. And so blessing, allow blessing to come to you this year. Don't dismiss it as being not there because of the presence maybe of other things. Allow them to sit together and grow. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. As I said earlier, sheep can go mad if they get this bug. It literally burrows into their brain. And the shepherd would anoint the sheep. And we need to come into times where we just surrender to the presence of God. We can't explain why or how or what to do. We're just saying, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit in your presence. And that peace that surpasses all understanding, that's what guards you. That's what guards your heart and your mind, it says. Coming into regularly, coming in for your your sheep dip. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So God's promise to you and I is that goodness and unfailing love, he doesn't fail. You might feel like he's failed. And there are some issues that we carry and the grace of God. We see all of this other stuff happening and there's just that one issue. Maybe you're, you're holding out for an answered prayer. Don't be disappointed. Continue to trust God. Be encouraged by the things that he has done. Build a testimony, a confession of his faithfulness. 
Lord, you, you did this and you did that. Life, when, when we come to Jesus, we don't get a promise that he wraps us in cotton wool and that nothing adverse will ever happen to us. No, he says, I'll be with you. I will comfort you. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is the greatest gift. We need to hold the journey that we are on as sheep with the great shepherd. We need to hold this journey in tension with the eternal. That's how it makes sense. It's the only reason it makes sense. Otherwise, we'd have to hold some secular view of nihilism or something where there is no purpose, there is no point. We eat and drink and party because tomorrow we die. But God says, I have a, an eternal purpose for your heart, for your soul, the lessons that you're learning, the journey that I'm taking you on as your shepherd makes sense in light of eternity. And that's why Paul can say these present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that awaits but God will give us grace. Jesus touches on this. I want to close on this today. Jesus says in John 10, 14 to 16 and 27 to 30, we're looking at David's psalm on the shepherd. And Jesus picks up on this and says, I am the good shepherd. And in John 10, as I said, it says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them in also. That's a nod to the Gentiles, to us. They will also listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. So this is David's psalm. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Jesus picks up on this. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the, from the father's hand. The father and I are one. This is the most beautiful picture of eternal life. Jesus says elsewhere, he says, this is eternal life, that you'd know the Father and the Son. It's one of relationship. And this is why today, as we look at Psalm 23, it's one, contextually, blessing and anointing is one of relationship. Come in today as we pray for people, as we anoint you, as we pray over your dreams and your visions and the things that you want, just make sure they're submitted to the relationship of the Father and the Son. That's where the true blessing is. God will, God will look after you. It says he reigns on the just and the unjust. He'll bring all that you need. But don't be robbed today of the blessing that comes through intimacy. So in the next 30 seconds, how do we do this? How do we receive the blessing? Number one, we surrender our heart's will and way to Jesus. We must surrender. We do that through a confession. We do that through humbling ourselves. Remember the word bless, the root word in the Hebrew means to kneel. We humble ourselves. Number two, we trust Jesus to lead us on his path. And number three, we looked 
we look for Jesus in all circumstances. God never abandons us. So we'd say, Lord, where are you in this situation? Not why am I going through this? Why will lead you to a dead end? Life does not answer you in the why. It answers you in the what. What do I do now, Lord? So surrender our hearts, will and way. Trust Jesus to lead us and look for Jesus in all circumstances. That's how we receive blessing. That's how we walk in it. I want to invite us to stand today if we could. And I want to pray over all of us. And just as we close in the next 15 minutes that we have, I just want to encourage us to prayerfully and mindfully come forward and engage in this moment. We want to pray today for God to bless your dreams, your visions, your plans, all the things that you have in your heart, all the things that you have in your heart. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delighting yourself in Jesus is the first step. Then you'll understand his will and his way. And then he'll bless your plans because your heart is aligned with him. So in this moment, I'm going to pray. And if you want to receive anointing today, if you want to be blessed, if you want prayer, I want to invite you, when you feel ready, just to make your way forward out the front here. Tara and I and the, a few others are going to pray with you. And I believe today that Jesus is going to meet you at that point of surrender. He's going to meet you at that point of faith. You might not know the path ahead, but he does. And I'm believing today that 2024 is going to be a blessed year. You are going to be fruitful. There is going to be harvest. There is going to be joy. And there's going to be great authority. You're going to need to say no to the enemy and at the same time walk in the blessing. It's going to be a fantastic year. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, today, as we submit, as we surrender to you, Lord, as we trust you, Jesus, as we look for you in all circumstances, I pray today over every heart that is surrendered in this moment, speak, Lord Jesus. Affirm, Lord Jesus. Remind us, Lord Jesus that you are with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And that, Lord, 2024, I pray, would be a year of great abundance, of great harvest and fruitfulness, Lord, for every person here and those who aren't with us. Not just over us, but over our workplaces, over our families, over our neighbours. Lord God, that we would bring that blessing. Our cup, it says, would overflow. The overflow is not for you. <laughs> the overflow is for others. You get blessed to be a blessing. And so today, I pray, Lord, that you'd put people in our world that can be blessed. Give us a picture, Lord, of who they are, even now. And so 